0: Amen. Praise God. We, we love the presence of God here, just, just the worship and the presence of God. That's, that's something that, that is just absolutely imperative to us. Amen. And after worship, when we, when we break to, to love on each other and hug on each other, that's not an interruption to the presence of God. Praise God. I just want, I want us to embrace that. You know I've I've had people tell me say so you need to stop that cuz it's just an interruption to the flow of God. I t- I got to tell you something, the Holy Spirit is not timid. He's not touchy and and he's very 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 hard to run off. <laughs> Amen. The flow, when we begin to embrace each other and hug each other and worship, it is a flow of God, the flow of the presence of God. You get to, you get to hug somebody and just impart the presence of God, shake their hand. Amen. That, that's all part of God's presence. Amen. Part of his presence, greeting each other. Amen. Let, being glad that you're here, letting people know you're glad they're here. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful time. Amen. Wonderful time, praise God. Sometimes, sometimes that one hug might change everything in that person's life. Amen. Hallelujah! What an amazing God. Uh, we've been talking about learning how to push through. Amen. I've been I've been preaching on that for a couple of weeks now. The Holy Spirit just really began to give, put that on my heart really really hard because. We as children of God have got to learn how to stand. And when you've done all to stand, stand therefore. Amen. Praise God. We cannot be people that are pushed around easily. Amen. We've got to, we've got to be able to, to uh, stick with it. Stick to Did you know that's actually in the dictionary now? Years ago, I started using that word, don't know where it come from, but I started using that word, and I was challenged on that, and, and said, that's not a word, and, and I was looking at the dictionary the other day, and it's actually in the dictionary now, stick-to-itiveness. Amen. It, mean, it means having the ability to stick with something regardless of what happens. Amen. Regardless of what happens. It's not about stubbornness, it's about commitment, it's about discipline, amen, being able to discipline yourself to stick with something. When you don't feel like it, when everything's not going right, sometimes when everything's going wrong, when you don't have anybody backing you or standing with you, don't have encouragers, and yet you refuse to walk away and you refuse to quit. That is, that is a, a, a quality that God wants in his people to be able to stick with something. Amen. The, this, this easily offended society we live in today does not and should not be in the house of God. Amen. We are not easily offended people. Boy, it got quiet. We are not easily offended people. Amen. It's time for us to be the mature people, the loving people, the ones that's able to stand back and say, okay, I didn't like that, but what's behind it? What's going on? What caused that person to do that? Amen. To be able to see through that and understand it. Praise God. All right. We're going to go to the book of Nehemiah with me, uh, chapter 1, verse 10 this morning. We're going to be looking at the good hand of the Lord, the good hand of the Lord, praise God. I'm wanting to preach on a whole bunch of other stuff that I've been studying, but I've got to, I've got to focus in, amen. I've been, I've been reading historical documents and things that, that fill in the blanks of Jesus' life between 12 and 30, and it has blown my mind. I, it's, it's messed up everything I ever knew about how Jesus grew up. And it has been exciting. It explains so much of the Word of God. It fills in the blanks so much. Amen. Praise God. He He was. God is amazing. God made provision for His Son. Amen. Who His parents was. Who His whose grandparents was. Amen. I've I've had such a good time this it, this this week studying about Jesus' grandpa that He spent a lot of time with. And it has been amazing. Now, I'm going to have to quit that because I'm wanting to just, ugh. I've got to shut that file off this morning. Praise God. The good hand of the Lord. In Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 10. He said, now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand amen nehemiah making declarations i want you to notice when when god called people to do great things they usually begin to make great declarations strong declarations they would say this is who you are this is what you've called us to do this is who we are and this is where we're going you have to understand who you are, who you belong to, and what your commission is. Amen. A lot of, a lot of times when I'm talking to uh, ministers that are, that are trying to figure out, they, they're confused about their call or trying to figure out, I always tell them, I say, look, what is your assignment? What is your assignment? It's not just being called. What is your assignment? And when you understand what your assignment is, then you have purpose and you can connect to the one that gave you the assignment and you know that you're operating in his power to accomplish the assignment. Amen. Praise God. Several years ago, God gave me the assignment to be at this church, to pastor this church. It's been been a long road. And I've had to stick with that assignment because God hasn't changed his mind. Amen. Hallelujah. I remember the night I was pastoring another church south of here, Cedar Valley, and, and I was committed there. I was, I was committed to seeing that thing through and to building that church, and, and I, I was, you know, I had, I had that stick-to-itiveness, and I went in one Saturday night to pray, and uh I went over in my office, it was late, and I went over in my office, knelt down at a chair in my office, and as soon as my knees hit the floor, Holy Spirit spoke to me exactly what was going to happen and told me, at that time, Chris Jackson was the pastor here, and I'd been here since I was 17 years old, been through a lot of things and so I had my focus and my focus was not being here you understand what I'm talking about because I was focused on the assignment God had me on at that time and I knelt down and the church was named Oak Ridge at that time and this is what the Holy Spirit said I'm sending Chris Jackson back into evangelism and I'm putting you in a senior pastor at Oak Ridge. I stood straight back up off of my feet. And I said, What? I mean, I just I was stunned. And I thought, man, I'm just stressed out. There, there's something going on here. I, I don't know what's going on. That must be some escapism thing or something. I, you know, I don't know what's going on and all night long i didn't sleep that night all night long I heard that over and over and over. Every time I'd try to pray, I wouldn't even be able to pray, and the Holy Spirit would repeat the same thing over and over and over. And I was up all night, and the next morning, it was Sunday morning, and when Sister Betty got up the next morning, I told her, I said, "I, I haven't had any sleep all night. She said, What have you been doing? And I told her, and her first words was, You're stressed out. I said, yeah, after a night like that. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, to the T, God did outline. So the assignment, God gave me an assignment. And so I had to learn to stick with the assignment regardless of situation. Amen. When you know you have an assignment and it's from God and you have a word from God, You can live on that word. Amen. Amen. Do you realize Mary raised Jesus? I got to get off this. Mary raised Jesus from the time the angel appeared to her at 12 years old. At 12 years old, she was orphaned because her dad had brought her to make an arrangement, arranged marriage, left her there went back and died before the arrangements was completed. So Mary was 12 years old. She was orphaned. She was in a strange place with people she didn't know, and the arrangement of her marriage was not complete, and to count to multiply all of it, she was pregnant. I mean, she's in a bad place. But God had somebody waiting to step up now get into that later but for 30 years Mary had one word from an angel for 30 years she never saw anything else never got another word didn't have any more visitations from angels and for 30 years, she raised this child who was very unusual and was able to stick with it because she had an assignment and a word from God. 30 years on one word from God, and she was able to stick with it. Until one day when they was at a wedding and Mary went to her unusual son that she had raised for 30 years and said, they need help. And Jesus said, it's not time. And Mary looked at the servants and said, whatever he says to do, do it. You know why she said that? Because 30 years ago, she had a word from God. And that word from God was still alive in her heart. And she knew it was coming. She knew it was about to happen, and all of a sudden that word burst onto the scene of earth as miracles begin to take place and didn't stop. I got to tell you something: when the good hand of God is upon you, you can make it through anything. You can go. I can't get off this subject. You can you you can make it through anything. You can plow through anything. You can break down any wall. You can climb over any obstacle because you got a word from God that is a driving. Force in your life that says this is where you're going and this is your destiny. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I tell you, this church has a destiny. Amen. a destiny and God's been growing this miracle for a long time he's been growing this miracle for a long time and we're about to see the time where the good hand of God steps forward and says it's time, they need help yeah. hallelujah <laughs> Woo! glory <laughs> hey I'm going to try not to give you the shotgun effect today. I'm trying to focus in. The good hand of the Lord. Again, in, in Nehemiah 2 and 8. Again, he said after, in and, and a letter to Asaph, keeper of the king's force. Let's go on down. He says, in the, in the last part, it says, And the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God, Upon me. Now I want you to notice, Nehemiah wasn't saying, God, I need your help. He wasn't saying, I hope God comes through for me. I hope this happens. He said, This happened according to. He had possession of a truth according to the good hand of my God. He didn't just say God. He said, my God, that is upon me. He declared who he was. He declared who was in charge. He declared his commission. He declared the fact that he belonged to God because he's my God. And his good hand is upon me. In other words, his hand has embraced me. Again, in chapter 2, verses 17 through 18. Then he said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, And also of the king's words, he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. And they set their hands to this good word. Work! Oh, there is a power. There is a motivating power when you realize that we're not just trying to accomplish something good, but God in heaven, our Father, has reached down to us and put his hand upon us, commissioned us, and said, this is what you're to do. This is where you're going, and God is going to make it happen. Amen. We are in his hand. Now, now the, the, the significance of this is in Hebrew, in Hebrew words, there's two different words could be used here for hand. One of them speaks of the closed hand or the fist. It can mean the fist, but it also refers to the hollow hand. The hollow hand. Now, it wouldn't have been awful if Nehemiah would have been saying, the hollow hand of God is upon me. That's not what he said. See, a lot of God's children believe in God. They believe in his power, but they believe the hand of God on them is hollow. Does not have provision. Does not have power. Does not have direction. Is not doing anything in their life. If the hand of God is upon you like Nehemiah it is not a hollow hand and it is not a fist now if you want to if you want to get the fist of God then you just come against the children of God like in Jehoshaphat's day When the three nations rose against them and Jehoshaphat stood in the temple, reminded God who they were, who he is, and made declarations of who they were, who God is, and what he had promised them. And God said, oh, don't worry about this. I got this. And the fist of God came against the enemies of the children of Israel. Whenever, and I don't say a lot about this, but whenever, whenever people sit themselves against me, I learned early on not to engage that. Instead of stepping forward to engage that, I take about two or three steps back because I do not want to be a part of what's about to happen. You understand what I'm talking about? I want to keep the good hand of God on me in in this way. I don't want the fist or the hollow hand of God on me. Amen. So be careful. If somebody rises against you, be careful about engaging that because sometimes you just simply need to step back and say, God have mercy. That's all I can say. God have mercy. Amen. But the, in this text, the Hebrew word here, which I can't pronounce, means, and this is what Nehemiah was saying: the open hand of God is upon me. The open hand of God Is upon me. And the open hand of God means this power, provision, and direction. Nehemiah was saying, Look, the open hand of God is upon me. Therefore, I have power to do what God told me to do. I have provision to do what God told me to do. And I have direction to do what God told me to do. Therefore, let's rise up and build. And the people said, oh, if God's giving you the open hand, let's go for it. Let's get up and build. And they begin to experience the blessing of God, the open hand of the Lord. Nehemiah was able to stand strong, not because of his determination, but because of his assignment and his commitment to the word and the things that God had given him and the open hand of God. See, when the enemies would rise against Nehemiah, what he would do is he would just simply turn and put himself into the open hand of God and say, God, I'm in your hand. And that hand means that I have power I have provision, and I have direction, and nothing can stop me when the open hand of God is for me. Amen. He just kept saying, it's according to the good hand of the Lord upon me. In other words, God's hand is open to me. And some of y'all sitting there saying, boy, I wish God's hand was open to me. I wish that was me. That's Nehemiah. That don't, like, like Mandy said this morning, she could read it and, and say, well, that, that was them. God loved them. But, but it's not that way with me. Oh, come on, somebody. The, the only way that you can embrace God is just to simply stop arguing with him and embrace him. The only way that you can feel and receive the things of God is to stop giving him reasons that he can't do it or he can't love you or he can't bless you and you simply start accepting the fact that through the blood of Jesus, he has blessed you, he is with you, and he's walking with you. You just simply got to say, Lord, I receive it according to your quality and not mine. I believe in the quality of God. I can give God all kinds of reasons why he shouldn't be able to use me or I can just humble myself before him and say God do what you want to do take me where you want to take me God accomplish what you want to accomplish I'm with you I just humble myself and and there's always that 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 feeling inside that God you should have picked somebody more qualified to do this and God is picking you why because you have what he needs He so I don't have anything. Well, don't talk about God like that. <laughs> don't criticize God like that. You know, every time you say stuff like that, you're criticizing your whole inheritance. You know, when a little baby's born. I was holding little Lindley the other day, Austin and Miranda's little baby, my little grandbaby. I was holding her the other day, and I told Betty, I said, I said look, I said all the generations of Miranda's family and all the generations of our family, Austin's family, are in this one package. This is the sum total of years of DNA and genes all compiled into one child, into one body. I'm holding in my hand, literally, the compilation of all of our history, right here. Hallelujah! Come on, somebody. Now, some of y'all do the, you know, the tree. What is that history? something you take a little swab and stuff and then you trace your history you can find people in there you're not real proud of (laughs) you can find people in there that you know didn't in exactly you know on uh what is that i'm trying to think that at commercial They always they always people's always talking about their history and they always talk about people that accomplish great things they never put on there. Yeah, my I, I was searching back through there and found out that my grandpa was hung as a horse thief. Isn't that great? <laughs> they never say that. But we have all the history, all the DNA, all of our history is compiled in us and it's passed on. There's... There's parts in children that are born genetic things that hasn't been there for generations and all of a sudden it shows up again. Amen. You think, where'd that come from? Well, it'd come from your the DNA somewhere. You know, they have, they have different color hair. You never know. You know, I was in Cuba one time and preaching and there was this... A Spanish couple. They were, had coal black hair, dark skin, and they had a little baby boy, he was about two years old at that time, that was fair-skinned, blonde-headed, and green-eyed. And of course, being the idiot that I am, I asked him, when did you adopt this child? They said, we didn't adopt him. That's our child. Okay. I had to quickly shut my mouth because I wanted to talk to the wife about something. Where where did a blonde headed, light skinned, green eyed baby come from? It came from their DNA. Somewhere in the history of that family, they had family from Norway, from the Norwegian area, and there was that DNA was mixed into their family tree somewhere down the line, and all of a sudden, it manifested itself in a generation. Why? Because that was history, history that all of a sudden came alive. Many of us would say, I don't have the history to be like Nehemiah. I don't have the DNA to be like Nehemiah. I don't have what Nehemiah had, and so I can't accomplish what Nehemiah can accomplish. Well, we have the DNA of our family history in our minds. We are, we are recreations of our history. And so we have characteristics like our parents and our grandparents. My dad is constantly telling me, he's always saying, when I look at you, I think I'm seeing my grandpa. It doesn't make me feel real great because the only pictures I've seen of grandpa, he was really old and crippled up. And I think... But he said, you look just like him, Grandpa Andy. And he said, even your expressions. He said, sometimes your expressions are identical to him. I never met the man. But uh, his history is inside of me. You understand? I'm going somewhere here, okay? Stick with me. Hang in there. Amen. Amen. And, and so I, I have the, the facial features. I was mowing the lawn last summer, had a big hat on trying to protect myself from the heat. My dad was out there sitting on the porch watching me. I got finished. I went pulling up there on the mower and shut it off. And he said, I could have swore that was Grandpa Andy out there. And again, I had to think, okay, he's got memories of when he was younger. Not just the picture that I've seen. His Grandpa Andy, the pictures I've seen, he was old, white headed scruffy beard, and, and carried his, his right arm. He carried his right arm like this because he was shot, and the bullet lodged in his elbow. And back then, they didn't do surgery, so the bullet was lodged in his elbow, and his arm was locked like this. So he lived most of his life with his arm locked like this, and he worked and, and functioned with his arm locked in place. Big, big muscles down here from using his hand. Nothing but a bone up here because his arm is just locked in place. That's a picture that I have of Grandpa Andy. But my dad has other pictures because they lived with him. He grew up with him. They lived with them in, in their home. And, and so he has other pictures of that. So, so we have history, and I have all the abilities that come from both sides of the family. I have the abilities that come from my mom's side of the family. I have, I have the glaring stare of the fielders. If y'all think I'm looking right through, you're mad or something, it's mom's fault. Because it comes from her side of the family. My Uncle Junior was just like me. When he would look at you, his, his eyes were piercing. I mean, you know, he, you, had to, you had to concentrate and look at him in the eye because they were piercing. I mean, you know, and, and when, so I, you know, that all is, it culminates. Amen. So next time I look at you and it makes you feel uncomfortable, go to my mom and say Thanks. So many of us judge ourselves and what we can do, and rather God's going to bless us by our natural history and our natural abilities. And we look back and say, oh, wow, you know, I've got this in my family. On my mom's side, there was preachers in, in, in our generation. And so, you know, I can look back and say, okay, that's probably where I come from. That's why I'm a preacher. No. The reason I'm a preacher is because God called me individually, wanted me. Amen. Okay? It's not just a genetic thing. (laughs) We need to get over that. It's not just a genetic thing. Now, you might have building skills that have been in your family for years. That's a genetic thing. You might have musical abilities that's been in your family for years. That's a genetic thing. And then every once in a while, we have people that have families that have no ability to sing no musical ability and all of a sudden this child is born that is just an amazing musician and singer we think where'd that come from well one or two things either there's genetic history there or else god just simply imparted something to that child when it was born for a purpose and a gift amen praise god I've, I've never heard Susie or Doug sing never never seen him play an instrument but doug you know Cody he's he's been playing instruments and stuff since he was a little tiny guy he he grew up around here they were a little tiny and and you know they they used to have a teenage band right back in that big room and and they would literally blow us out they had youth service back there pastor Rob was a pastor and I mean you know how kids are they, they it's if, if, if the, the only reason they don't set the volume on 22 is because it only goes to 20. <laughs> kind of like foreign countries. It's got to be blaring. That's, that's where when I, when I go to foreign countries, I have to just simply calm down because the sound systems are always just a mess. They're, they're always squealing, feeding back. They're way too loud. They're blowing your ears out. I mean, you can't even hear. It's like, you know, you're deaf after, and, and they want to get the sound out as far as they can get it out. So they're just blowing it. I mean, and, and it's feeding back this high-pitched squeal. I, I come to figure this out. I come to understand this, especially in Africa. If the sound system isn't squealing, we're not having church. <laughs> Amen. So we say, okay, how can I get the good hand of the Lord God upon me? Oh, thank you for asking. I want you to turn with me to the book of Ephesians. You know I was going to go there. Book of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. In him you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed. Everybody say sealed. You were sealed. You were stamped. You were claimed by God. After you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Hallelujah. Everybody say, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Is the promise inside of me. Verse 14 says, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Hallelujah. The guarantee. You say, I can't do that. Well, what history are you looking at? Your natural history is what you got from this earth. But when you're born again, when you receive the spirit of your heavenly father, you receive All of his history in that spirit hallelujah you receive all of the history oh man I could shout on that you receive I received history from my parents but I got to tell you something there was a day I answered an auto call right in this church right over there when I was 16 years old and I answered an auto call and I said Jesus don't just save me Take my life. As I grew up in church, I knew what it was all about. But there come a day when all of a sudden, Jesus became personal to me. It became mine. It became something I believe. And I knelt at an altar right there, and I said, Jesus, save me. But don't just save me. Change me take possession of my life I give it to you and he saved me and at that very moment baptized me in the power of the Holy Spirit and that day I received a new impartation of DNA and a new history and a new family inheritance I received the DNA of God inside of me I got exactly what Jesus got. <laughs> Jesus was born of a virgin. His mother, his dad was God by the Holy Spirit. And I got to tell you, whoa, glory to God, I'm about to shout. I got to tell you something. When I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, all of a sudden, God became my father, and I received him. I received a change in my DNA, and now I have God's history, the creator of all things, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, and the end. I am from God. I have inside of me all the history of Jesus. Glory. Glory. I have an inheritance through the Holy Spirit of promise and he is the guarantee of my inheritance You you know what that word means in the passion translation it doesn't say the guarantee it says that The Holy Spirit is the engagement ring placed upon the hand and finger of the bride, declaring the promise to be fulfilled, and you now belong. You now belong to God Almighty. Holy Spirit of promise is the insignia of possession. I have been sealed, stamped. You have been sealed and stamped. And now you carry inside of you the distinct characteristics of the history of Jesus Christ, and you go all the way back to his history. I mean, you go all the way back to David and Abraham and Adam, and your history is everything that God is, is your history. Wherever God was, wherever God's done is your history, and now you belong to that history, and it is inside of you, and it's going to manifest inside of you of you that dna comes out hallelujah you might come come from a family It's got dark skin and dark hair, and you might be blonde-headed, light-skinned, and blue-eyed. Where'd that come from? That come from the heart of God. That come from the history of God. He decided to impart to you a characteristic and a history that hasn't existed in a long time. But he said, I'm going to give it to this person because they're part of me. They are my offspring. Glory. (laughs) Glory. Hallelujah. Don't you ever again insult your heavenly father by saying, I can't do that because you have all the gifts of God inside of you. (laughs) God knows how to change you. There was no way that I would get up in front of people and talk when I was a kid. I stuttered. I stuttered. I anytime I got up in front of people, I would stutter. I'd try to read. I would stutter. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't articulate. And so in school, I would refuse. I mean, I got sent to the office a lot. I got, I got failed grades a lot in school because I would just simply sit myself and say, Absolutely not when they'd want me to get up in front, you know, like an English class where you're supposed to get up and read something you've done. Ain't no way. Ain't no way. teacher would say, Tim, if you don't do it, I'm going to give you an F. I said, whatever you have to do. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it because at that time, I didn't have the DNA for it. come on somebody it hadn't been imparted to me public speaking hadn't been imparted to me matter of fact when Betty first met me I didn't talk a lot I made statements I didn't communicate that was my communication she'd want to talk about something I would make a statement of my opinion and she would want to talk about it more I'd say why are we still talking about this I already told you what I thought she had to survive that And I barked a lot. I didn't realize I barked a lot the way I talked. Of course, I worked with some rough people. And so I was all week, I was gone working with these rough people. So, you know, I had to talk a certain way to them, very demanding, very, very straightforward. And so when I'd get home, she'd ask me a question, and I would just tell her. (laughs) And sometimes she would start crying and say, Why are you being so mean? when was I mean you just yelled at me I didn't yell at you I answered your question you know I'm talk so that was my DNA that was what I had That's grandpa Andy is his fault but then when I gave my life to Jesus and I got a download of a brand new history a brand new DNA next thing i know the pastor the youth pastor asked me to get up and sing a song and i said I, I can't do that and he said yeah you can go ahead and do it i got up i shook literally my knees were shaking i stuttered i stuttered my way through it it was the awfulest thing that you can imagine. I mean, it was terrible, and I was so glad when it was over, but there was somebody that had a purpose and a design and an intention and a destiny for me because that was Tuesday night. On Wednesday night, the senior pastor come to me and said, I heard you sung last night in youth class. I said, if you can call it that. He said, get up and lead worship tonight. <laughs> I've never led worship Of course the pastor that I that I served under when I was first saved brother Jerry Haynes he didn't just ask he, he just told you to do something if you didn't do it use rebelling so some of y'all think I don't give you much notice it's his fault so I got up the next night and got one song and I sung that song Next thing I know, I'm the, I'm the song leader. That's what we called them back then. I was a song leader for the whole congregation. Never done that before. Never been in front of people like that. Matter of fact, the, the pastor's wife played the piano, and after about three services of singing the same song over and over and over, she called me over the piano, and she said, Tim, there are more songs. And so she taught me some new songs. And so we say, why did that happen? Why did God do that? It wasn't because I had the ability coming in. It's because all of a sudden I was born again of a brand new family. And I received a new destiny. I received a new call. And the open hand of God came upon me. Amen. I use myself as an example because I'm the only story I I can tell. I can't tell your story. But the same is true for you. There is a call. There is anointing. There is a birth. When you're born again, you receive the history and the DNA of your heavenly father. Don't ever again say, I can't do that. Because when you got saved, when you was born again, there was a brand new calling and destiny come upon you. And you can do anything he tells you to do. Next thing I know, I was preaching. Youth pastor, Pastor Sam down at Sanctuary, he was my youth pastor up here at that time. He come to him and he said, How about preaching next Tuesday night? I said, Sam, I've never said I was called to preach. He said, You don't have to. He said, You get up and sing one song, preach for 20 minutes. <laughs> he said, we, ain't, we don't even have song service anymore. You just get up and sing one song and then preach for 20 minutes. He said, You might as well just start preaching. And so that's when I started preaching. Why? It wasn't because I wanted to. It wasn't because I decided to. It's because when I was born again and received Jesus, that was imparted to me, and an ability I never knew I had started coming out of me. It's the destiny of God that's birthed inside of you. Sealed with the insignia The guarantee of your inheritance. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. I I want you to stop and say, Jesus, I am your workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Now what good works have you created in me? (laughs) oh you say I can't do it and all of a sudden it starts happening I can't do that next thing you know you're doing it why because it's been put inside of you 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 watch children that have never met their parents and you know who their parents is and they will have characteristics of those parents without even trying they don't even have to try to do it it just comes out Well, that's the way it is now that we're born again. We don't even have to try. The characteristics of God just starts coming out of us. Ah. Oh, I wish I could preach this like it's going off inside of me. Last several services, I've been like a pressure washer. There's a huge, there's a huge volume trying to come out through me, and I'm just this little tiny thing, and it's like a pressure washer. Just I'm just trying to get it out. So so it just comes out spewing. I'm gonna start handing out hankies to all you on the front row there. We are created, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That we should walk in them. Amen. God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Oh, God is awesome. Holy Spirit is amazing. He has a purpose and a plan. Amen. Did you know this morning I got it's been going like this lately? I I got used last year I had everything planned out ahead of time. I mean, you know, it was nice. It was so unlike me. I, I had everything planned out, and by the time Sunday got here, I had my notes. I had everything planned out, and I, and I was able to preach and focus because God wanted me to do that. But i got to tell you something. This year, all of a sudden, he's saying, listen, I want you to listen to me. I want you to listen to me. I want to, and I get here on Sunday morning with an idea, thinking I'm, I know what's going on because I've studied about the history of Jesus between 12 and 30 all week. That's what I want to preach on I get here this morning, and all of a sudden he takes me back to Nehemiah and the good hand of God. He just starts speaking to me about it. And I jotted a bunch of scriptures down, not knowing even how to time together. But Holy Spirit had a plan. He knew he, where he was going, and he knew what he wanted to speak to you. Why? Because you are important to him. You are important to him, and he needs you to hear what I'm saying this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, start with verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. Get off that thing of feeling like you don't belong. You're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens. With the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Everybody say, I'm part of the building I'm part of the building of God. I'm part of the household of God. You can't not belong. We live in a society of isolation and estrangement. People have this feeling, I don't belong, I don't belong, I don't belong. What a lie from hell. I don't belong here. I don't belong there. And people people all going around trying to figure out where they belong. You belong who you are with who you are and what you are. You belong where you're at. It's not somebody else's world you're walking in. It's your world you're walking in. You belong exactly where you're at. Take ownership. Take ownership of who God made you to be. Take ownership of who you were created from. Take ownership of the fact that God Almighty has handcrafted you, and you belong in his hands, and wherever you go, his hand is upon you, and you belong in the house of God, in the building of God. (sighs) Being built together as a habitation for God, I don't know about you, but that's, that's, that's more than my mind can, can fathom, the fact that, that God is building us to be his habitation, the holy of holies. We sang that song, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. it says, take me in to the holy of holies. Take me in by the blood of the Lamb. To the holy of holies. Well, I, gotta, I, I just got to say something. He is. But you know how he's taking you in? He's making you to be the holy of holies. You are his workmanship, created in God, created in Christ Jesus, to be the dwelling place. The holy of holies of God. You say, oh, I can't be the holy of holies. Quit insulting Jesus like that. It's not about you. It's who lives inside of you. He is the possession of God. He is, he is literally the, the expression of God. He is the countenance, the illumination, the expression of God living inside of you by the Spirit. And he is creating in you a habitation and a dwelling place different gifts and callings oh we got to get past this thing the church of trying to cookie cutter stamp everybody we're all different we're all different amen and we all got gifts and callings, and we all exhibit a different expression of who god is Amen. next week pastor rob's going to be preaching he exhibits a different character of god than me which is awesome, because you can't take me all the time. I'm a driving force. I'll wear you out. Amen. I'm always pushing. Pastor Rob walks in a pastoral teacher anointing. we got to have that. We need that. We've got to let God speak to us in every characteristic that he is. And we got to own that. Quit trying to be like somebody else. Own who you are. Own who God created you to be. Be the voice God created you to be. You don't have to be like somebody else. I listen to a lot of ministers on TV, and I think, oh, man, I wish I could do that. But God doesn't need another one of them. He needs me. I have a purpose. Amen. March 1st, my oldest son Beniah is gonna be preaching here. Totally different anointing, and yet the same spirit. Same spirit. I got can we get a hold of that? Same spirit. He has a very, very loving pastoral attitude, and yet he's an evangelist. He's reaping a harvest. He represents the evangelism, and he's not out there. We, evangelism, we see as somebody out on the street corner screaming, you're going to hell. That's not evangelism. That's an insult. Jesus didn't do it. We don't need to be doing it. If Jesus didn't do it, we don't need to be doing it. I'll tell you what evangelism Jesus' way is. Oh, you're blind? Now you can see. That's how Jesus evangelized. He walked down the street and people would cry out. And he would say, "Be cleansed. Reaping a harvest." Come on somebody. Hey, man. Gathering and Benign and Natalie are evangelists right now. And, and they are gathering people in constantly every week. They're gathering, 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 bringing people into the kingdom of God. We've got to have the characteristics of God. We've got to start embracing and enjoying every characteristic that God exhibits. Because the Bible says that's how we become a perfect being. Created in Christ Jesus. Oh, come on. I'm closing. Everybody, and I'm not lying, okay? That, most of the time most of the time pastor says that, he's lying. And I'm going to do my best not to lie here, okay? God help me not to lie. The biggest lie any preacher ever told was when they get up and say, I'm not going to preach very long today. They'll preach longer that day than any other time. Come on, somebody. They have to repent afterwards because they they lied. Matter of fact, stand with me. That'll take care of it. You are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. the open hand of God I want you to all think about the open hand of God Holy Spirit Holy Spirit is the open hand of God upon you power provision destiny power provision destiny God knows how to take care of you he's a good father he's a good father I learned some stuff this week that shook my world I mean shook my world my concept begin to change how I even think about my life and God Matter of fact, for a while, I walked around in a daze thinking, do I know anything? Do I know anything? Because my concept was totally challenged of how Jesus grew up and what he experienced. And it began to just open up this huge world and realize what an amazing awesome god we serve because he was so interested in in every detail of the life of Jesus growing up Jesus was god in the flesh but god was very very careful and detailed about his life he's not going to be any different for you he's the same That's the end of my message, so I closed, okay? I didn't lie. I just closed my message. But I'm going to say one more thing. This church has its own personality. This church has its own destiny. And we're, we're beginning to see the beginning stages of that destiny coming to fruition. This church is called to be a a God encounter, a place of the encounter of God. This church is called to host the presence of God, the glory of God. That makes us pretty different. We're not in competition with other churches. Matter of fact, we're just, we're at peace because there are churches that are very very discipleship oriented we've got to have them they are a tremendous blessing to the body of Christ there are churches that are very evangelistic they are a blessing to the body of Christ every church has its place this church has its place because we are to be a fuel to the rest of the body of Christ an encounter place a place where people can come and have an encounter with God. That's why God is shaping us the way he's shaping us. That's why God's shaping our lives the way he's shaping our lives. That's why some of us have been to hell and back. Because it's necessary, the 40 years in the wilderness is necessary to be able to carry what God has us to carry. God's raising his body up to be a place where people can come and have a face-to-face encounter with the presence of God. That's why he's building what he's building. We've got to improve on discipleship. We've got to improve on our kids' ministry. We've got to improve on all that. But every bit of it is to house and host the presence of God. That ain't something I just come up with. That's something God has been imparting and declaring.